Hello, welcome, and thank you for tuning in to episode two of the High Level Digital Roundtable podcast, the official podcast of High Level Marketing, a digital marketing boutique in West Bloomfield, Michigan. Uh, with me, as always, my name is Steve Carley. I am the associate SEO strategist at this company. And with me today is a, the usual nights minus one so far. Uh, if you guys want to introduce yourself, we'll start with Scott. Hey, I'm Scott. I'm an SEO strategist at HLM been here almost almost three years now. We've got Don. Greetings, hello everyone. Yeah, my name is Don. Uh, I'm also a SEO strategist with High Level Marketing, and I'm approaching six years. So exciting times! Exciting times. Uh, Ryan should be here. I don't know where he is. He's missing, so he'll pop up sometime. Another SEO strategist. Um, until then, let's just dive right in. So we're going to talk about two things. We like to have kind of a quick topic article to discuss and then a main topic. Although both of these topics, or at least the, the quick topic, may be a bit more impactful. So we, you know, we may talk about that for a bit longer. But um, we've got a nice Rand Fishkin article to discuss uh, all about inferred links. Um, now, Don, I'm going to defer right to you off the bat, because I know you're probably the most um, you know, knowledgeable with this topic. So can you give us a brief rundown, or I guess just like a full, what do you want to call it? like an idea of what this article touches on and what, and what you think inferred links are? Yeah, so first for everyone at home, like let's, let's introduce who Rand Fishkin is. So Rand Fishkin is a pretty well-renowned uh, expert in the digital mark marketing industry. He founded a company probably 20 years ago that was called SEO Moz. Uh, he left, uh, well, SEO Moz uh, later became Moz and then uh, Rand uh, exited that company probably in the last two years and kind of went out and created his own boutique agency that's um, focused on some different marketing avenues. And so uh, in the last couple of weeks, he put out a, a really kind of uh, industry uh, thought-provoking article uh, with the whole concept of an inferred link. So um, for those following at home and, and aren't really familiar with what backlinks are, what links are in general, it's essentially when one website is putting a piece of code on their website that allows Google to follow uh, through what's inferred as a, a hyperlink from one website to another. And traditionally in digital marketing and SEO, backlinks have been a large factor that has influenced why websites rank. So Google has this very complex algorithm that incorporates hundreds of different things. And one of those things that plays a lot of importance is the concept of backlinks. And so as Google gets more sophisticated with machine learning and they try and analyze, you know, what does the evolution of uh, SEO look like with uh, with all their different technologies, there, there's a lot of speculation as to what's going to come in the future. So in the last couple of weeks, Rand put out an article that brought up the concept of an inferred link. So an inferred link uh, to those following at home is, is really just the idea of your brand is mentioned within an article uh, that that article does not link directly to your website, but the brand mentioned uh, is believed to be an instance of what an inferred link might become. So the idea that as Google is crawling pages online and they're, they're assessing content and they're trying to understand, you know, what the article might be about and, and who it might relate to. So if there's a mention of Wikipedia, there's a mention of CNBC, there's a mention of, um, you know, your, your favorite uh, stock website, 
you know, whatever might that topic might be about, if they're mentioning brands and those brands uh, have been identified through Google's machine learning, that, that becomes an inferred link. So it passes some, essentially some trust signals from that article over to your website. So in theory, that should help to propel your website to move higher in, in the search results. So that, that's a long-winded answer, Steve, to your initial question of what an inferred link is. I mean, I, I like the long-winded answers. You know, I like that a lot. Um, you said a lot that I couldn't say. Um, so I, I read the, the article and I'm, I, I would like to get your help and Scott's help and Ryan, if he ever shows up here, I want to get your help understanding. So, cause, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because this is kind of a newer topic for me as well. So uh, Rand Fishkin is talking about the differences between inferred links and links with a hyperlink. Uh, he seems to think that, or he seems to claim that inferred links may be more trustworthy than like a link with, with the hyperlink. Is that, am I on the, on the trolley with this? That's for, I guess, Don or yeah. Scott. So, so I would say that's going to be debatable, right? Obviously we don't know what, you know, the, the inputs of Google's algorithm are. And I think the concept of an inferred link also would would be heavily dependent upon the context of the article. So it might be an inferred link of like, don't go visit this doctor because they provide really crappy service. Like th that may not be, you know, in the whole machine algorithm, a positive mention, right? So I think, I think the context of the content certainly is gonna play into um, how important that link is. I also think it's gonna, you know, just like a backlink, is more valuable if it comes from the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal than it, it would come from my personal blog page because it those websites have a lot more trust and authority in Google's eyes. It's going to depend on, you know, the, the page that is inferring the brand mention. So whether or not if you had an article that um, might have an actual backlink that goes to a website and then an inferred brand mention, if if one of those weighs higher or lower. Um, if they're if they're all on the same article, I think part of that's going to depend on how Google perceives the content to be related to the topic, in the tone, um, and I think it's it's going to be open for debate. I'm sure, you know, there, there's probably some SEOs out there right now that are trying to do some single variable testing to see if this is actually something that they can duplicate and, and actually move the needle with rankings on. But I, I think right now it's it's too early to tell whether or not. Uh, one is going to be more beneficial than the other. I'm very glad you said debatable. Uh, because, again, that's kind of my point when I was reading this. I thought, I don't know if I agree with a lot of it. Um, I wasn't sure if maybe I'm just wrong, but it sounds like that may not be super uncommon because it's like you said, it's too early to tell. Um, because I, I, I mean, I guess I'll give a, an, an example in his article. I'll, I'll just kind of read it out loud. Like he says, he, for an example of his inferred link, uh, and I'm going to quote this in quotes, uh, in its price range, I don't think there's a better cardigan you can buy than Pendleton's Westerly. Um, and then the link would, would say, check out Pendleton's selection of men's cardigans, men's cardigans being the hyperlink to what you can assume would be the Pendleton's Westerly. Um, and I, I guess what, what you said that made me happy was that you said that um, it could be, it could be beneficial. It could be, you know, harmful, um, which makes sense. And, you know, you're, you're basically putting my thoughts into words better than I could. Um, you know, to me, 
I guess context is king, right? I think that's for a lot of things with Google. Uh, so, because yeah, please, if you have anything to say. Yeah, so I think, you know, you're, you're bringing up a really kind of fascinating segue that, you know, we're going to dive into it at a future um, podcast, which is Google's, you know, leveraging technology and, and natural language processing and, and understanding the sentiment of why one may be perceived more favorably than the other. And I think what's interesting about the example that you provided is the brand was mentioned, I think, two or three times over, uh, you know, three sentences, right? So it wasn't just, you know, buy Ford Motor Company because Ford makes the best trucks on the planet. It was, you know, there, there was, you know, in, in that example I gave with Ford, you, you, I mentioned Ford twice, right? So mm -hmm. if a brand is mentioned more than once, does it carry more weight, right? If, if the context is, you know, multiple brand mentions, does, does that correlate to a higher endorsement of, you know, that inferred link within that article body? I, th I think all that stuff is going to be um, open for debate, and it's going to be interesting to see how the, the algorithm plays out. The, the one thing Google is pretty consistent about is, you know, we, we should be writing content and creating pages that provide a good user experience. And so I, I don't know that this is something that, um, whether it's intentional or not, is going to be, e you know, easier or more difficult for people to try and manipulate when they're trying to improve trust signals on, on a web page. Because at some point, if if the concept is an inferred link only passes weight if it's the brand is mentioned three times within an article, you know. We're going to be able to we're going to be able to figure that out, right? I mean, there's there's going to be studies that are going to be done that are going to say, hey, that this is, you know, if it's mentioned in the first paragraph versus the last paragraph, it it carries more weight. If it's, you know, if if it's mentioned with things like best, top, leading, you know, expertise, you know, whatever it might be positive, it's going to carry more weight. If it's mentioned with, like, this company provides poor service or you know this company has bad reviews, then I think it would be something where there's there's a positive, you know, the, the correlation may actually be negative versus positive. So I, I definitely think it's a, you know, to, to kind of step back, you know, this is Rand's, you know, interpretation of what he believes is going to be introduced into, into the algorithm at some point. Um, and there's probably a lot of conjecture that this may already be a part of an algorithm, but it's it's a very minuscule part. So it's been a lot harder for SEOs to gain. So they haven't been able to go out and, you know, use some of the, the black hat techniques that would kind of push the envelope, you know, readily that they would, you know, become mass adopters of this strategy. So it's interesting. I think it's, you know, that's why digital marketing is exciting is because it continues to evolve and change. And you know, what worked in the past is probably not going to be what works tomorrow. And, and, and what we're working on today, um, you know, is only going to become more difficult for the average business owner to try and, um, you know, to try and implement on their own because it's, it's becoming more and more complicated. Very good insight. Also, Ryan Hagen has joined us, everybody. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. <laughs> gotta love, gotta love uh, working from home with kids, right? So. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, for any anybody listening, kids maybe in the background. I'm assuming that's uh, widespread, so you know I'm not going to feel too bad about it. Um, Don, so do you? Great insight. Um, very um, all encompassing. Thank you. 
I guess a good part of digital marketing being evolving, ever evolving is the idea that, um, you know, things are evolving, but we don't know the repercussions of, of them and we don't know things on the horizon. Let me ask you this, Don, let me get your insight on this. Do you think that there may be a, an option of too many, you know, too many mentions of a brand name, right? Like I think of keyword stuffing. Do you think that keyword stuffing, I'm using air quotes, uh, could be a factor in this, or do you think that more is better? I mean, obviously there's a, a line, right? A limit for everything, but right. what do you see for that kind of future? Yeah. So I think it, it, it's again, understanding that Google is using machine learning. So, you know, I, I think that they're probably sophisticated enough to understand based on reading other articles online and, and not looking at things in like a single variable entity. So for example, the, the concept of keyword stuffing, if, if I had an article and I posted it in the Detroit Free Press about why the new Ford F-150 truck is going to lead, you know, lead the, the industry in 2022 and be Motor Trend's car of the year, right? I, I, that, that article might mention Ford within it 23 times, right? So would that automatically discount the fact that it's got a brand mention in it because it, it you know, the, the keyword to overall content ratio was above a 8%, for example. I, I think not because of the context of the article, right? Because it's, it's an article specifically about that branded vehicle or that branded entity. And I think Google is, is getting better at understanding entities and brands because of consumer behavior, because consumers are searching for these brands over and over again, that it helps to kind of align those signals that a brand would make sense. Now, if I was not Ford and I was starting my own car company, would, would I get the same benefit from having an article posted that might mention my brand 23 times? I think probably not because I may not have earned that trust in Google's eyes yet because I haven't established enough brand equity. And quite honestly, there, there haven't been enough people that have gone online over the last X period of time that have searched for my brand. So I think if, if we're going to see this concept of, you know, um, inferred links within articles like PR becomes a, a bigger factor in digital marketing. And then I think leveraging, you know, marketing and advertising offline that's going to drive consumers to engage with search engines that's going to help to reinforce my brand becomes even more important. So I think it, it just becomes a more holistic concept of, you know, what is my strategy? Because it's, you can't just put all your eggs in that one basket. And I, I would agree with that uh, external and sort of online marketing focus where I think a lot of people just assume, well, you know, I have a website, like that's all I need, right? But um, in reality, you got to think of how consumers look at any service, really, whether it's cars or HVAC service or a product type service, like they're going to look at multiple sources. There's so much information now, um, just from all angles of our phones, our tablets, our laptops, like TV, there's, pro there's programming on TV now that is directly related to, you know, advertisements. So we see all this information and we can't just have uh, one source of information or one source of marketing. We really need to um, just be like Don said, holistic. That's, that's super important now. Yeah, I, I think it's just as simple as that digital marketing is kind of over time expanding beyond just the web, right? I mean, there's a lot of different outlets out there that it can bleed into. 
Um, I can actually give it a, 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 you know, a personal anecdote or example that I'm sure other people can relate to. Um, and I, before I even do that, I like what Don said about, you know, digital SEO and digital marketing to me personally, just all it boils down to is ease of can the customer or, you know, the whatever client, anything, can they do what they set out to do, right? Is it easy for them or do they have any roadblocks? I think good digital marketing uh, makes that easier for someone to complete a online task, again, with the air quotes. Um, like if I'm looking for a restaurant, right? First thing you you do is, I mean, you know, if, if you're if you're in a brand new area and you're looking for restaurants in the area to go to, what do you normally do? I hit up Google Maps. Um, I kind of look around. Uh, one of my first things I, you know, and this is a, a personal bias of mine. Um, if a if a restaurant doesn't have a website, you know, you 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 know, if you want to look at the at the at the menu, you the uh, a website would be beneficial for that. If they don't have one. Um, I have to go into the photos and I see it. Do people upload pictures of the menu? Is that ideal? No, of course not. You'd rather have like a nice PDF or something on the website. Or you're at the mercy of, you know, like a third party uploading sure. a menu. And sometimes it's not accurate. Sometimes it's the prices aren't right. So um, yeah, I mean, having your, putting your own information out there is more important than letting other people dictate that, obviously. You're right. And I would argue that these third parties are almost always wrong. I mean, very frequently, I mean, you know, I, I know there's um, a site called Zomato, is that what it's called? And that kind of specializes in online menus. But I would argue that in most cases for me personally, the Zomato has nothing or it has very, you know, a couple pages of the menu, something like that. So that's something that's very simple, I think, for a a restaurant to have. I mean, if you don't have a website, you know, sometimes they'll have the little business, you know, sites are very bare bones. that just simply have contact information, the menu, um, or, you know, menu in a PDF or just text. And I think that's important. And I'm sure a lot of people have found a place, oh, they've got pretty good reviews, you know, and then they look and there's no website or there's a Facebook page for it instead. And that may not have nearly as much as a website would have. Um, so to me, that seems like a pretty simple, bare minimum for like a restaurant because all they want to do, they want you to be able to find them. They want you to be able to look at the menu, find some that interests you. So you use them, you know, you go to that establishment for takeout, mostly in this case. Um, so that to me is a good example of like, you know, that's actually a good way to touch into our main topic, which I failed to mention is kind of how social media can be used for digital marketing, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Scott, I've been neglecting you hardcore this whole time. Do you have any <laughs> insights that we've been missing out? I know. Yeah, by all means. So I, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently holding on to my daughter because like Ryan said, it's uh, working from home with kids is often right. difficult. Anyway, um, back to this Fishkin article, like it's, um, it's really hard to put something like this together. And it's, it's really a thought provoking article because it's talking about biased links versus motivated, you know, biased and motivated links and inferred links. But like Google has to parse out the intention of, of the link. And I, this is just my opinion. I don't, I don't think Google is there yet, but I think Fishkin's onto something here. Uh, I don't think Google's quite able. I don't think they're that uh, savvy um, uh, to distinguish the user search intent just through the placement of links and what they're trying to do. In this article, they're talking about the, Pen the Pendleton uh, uh, cardigan, but there's multiple retailers that sell the Pendleton cardigans, right? Hey, so now, excuse me. And then, so like they have to determine when someone's talking about the Pendleton cardigan, do people want to buy it from 
you know, like Cabela's or some other online retailer that they want to buy. So now Google has to make that decision. And so, I, you know, it's it's kind of like like Don always says, you got to check the search result and you got to see who's who's appearing on the search in the search results um, for those type of uh, for those types of keywords. And then looking at their backlink profiles to see like are their links followed or no followed and um, how their backlink profiles look for us to get a really good indicator of if Fishkin's really onto something here. That's um that's actually a great point that you you mentioned the idea of you know there are many outlets like and Don I have a question for you maybe you can provide some insight and I guess one benefit slash you know detriment of this is that it may be too early to tell right we don't know yet but do you think that it's possible for a smaller company or a, you know, a smaller business to take advantage of these inferred links to kind of squeeze themselves in where all the big guns are is that something that you think would be could be used for this yeah i mean i think it's that's an interesting concept um I, I think it's all relative so it it depends on you know what your market is if you're marketing yourself locally i think it's it's easier to do than if you're trying to if you're a little guy trying to market yourself nationwide where your voice and um becomes a little bit more muted so i think it's, it's all relative to your market um, and I think it's always important to understand that at the end of the day, this is only one component of, of a larger algorithm. And so while inferred links may become a part of it, I, I don't think it's going to mean that actual hyperlinks are going to go away at any point, right? And so I, I think that, you know, it's, it's just part of like the, the evolution of where, you know, SEO is going to go with, with why websites rank and, and why it's, it's more complicated today than it ever has been in the past. But um, I think if I was a small business owner and, and I want to stay relevant, it goes back to, you know, what, what I mentioned and Ryan kind of reiterated, it's like, you have to have a comprehensive marketing plan. If, if you're just going into this thinking you're going to do one thing and that's going to lead to, you know, just great success. Um, that's going to be more of the rare situation where someone's going to be successful with it than, than the norm. Because I think the ones that we see the, the most successful businesses don't just rely on one channel to bring them new customers. They're, they're doing SEO, they're doing paid media, they're engaging with customers on social media. You know, they, they, um, they leverage you know, getting their brand in front of consumers, if it's through vehicle wraps on their cars, or, you know, they, they do off, you know, they do marketing on TV and radio, or they're doing mailers, like they're doing things to help drive brand engagement. And I think brand engagement today is, is a much more crucial concept to focus on than inferred link, inferred brand mentions within a, an actual article. Ryan, do you have anything to say to that? Yeah, no, I um, <clears throat> I think in particular this example of this like smaller business going up against a maybe like a national or even like a very large regional brand, um, you need to go one where your customers, your customer base is going to be. Obviously, if you're, you know, maybe targeting like a younger demographic, you wouldn't be doing like a Valpac. You'd be maybe wanting to focus more on social media um, just because that's where those people might be. Um, and just trying to find a niche where, you know, your, your larger competitors maybe aren't, aren't in, or they're not investing as much time in. Um, because if you just, you know, if you're trying to go up against in Don's example of like a small car company, if you're a small car company going up against Ford 
and all you're trying to do is just paid search say or just organic results you're you're not you're not going to be able to make it unless you know you strike lightning in a bottle or something like that and um or capture lightning in a bottle i think that's the phrase um and catching something that is kind of viral where you know if you're just trying to do traditional methods it's probably not going to happen so you need to find a way to really stand out um, and i think that's necessarily more important than any sort of you know linking tactic but again holistic approach so um it's i can't imagine trying to run a business in 2021 let alone you know even the last five or six years um just because it has changed so much and there's so many things to think about and um it's a lot for for sure I'm, i can only imagine um, so let me ask about maybe one last kind of wrap up question, and then we'll take a quick break and then we'll dive into our main topic, although they're pretty much equal in this case. So this is a pretty, this is a good article to discuss, I think. Um, and this is a question for kind of Don and anybody here. I mean, do because the fact that with Google's algorithms and everything that in the, the, the digital marketing space, everything's evolving, do we think that these kind of inferred link strategies, do we think that this may become like a more standard or do we think that this may kind of push down like backlinks and the use of backlinks? Or is this something that kind of, rather than replace, it kind of adds to and becomes a separate pillar of, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it becomes, it just adds to, I don't think it's gonna replace it, um, at least not in the next, few years and by then it, it might be something completely different anyways right so I think it, it's tough to to say that this is the end all be all I think it's just going to be it's going to be maybe a larger component of their algorithm but I don't know that it's going to replace anything anytime soon I have to agree I mean I, you know when I read this article I think um maybe it's just me and how I use the internet, but if I, you know, the, the idea of, a, of the inferred links to me just doesn't seem quite as, what's the word, inviting as like a, a link included. Um, but to me, you know, I guess we're going to have to see as time goes on, you know, whether companies are able to kind of use that in a proper way rather than just, you know, failing at it. Um, is there anything else anybody wants to add or we can take a quick break and talk about some social media? Nope. Nope. All right. All right. Well, then we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be talk. Oh, we will be back to talk about the main topic. And we're back from that break. And guys, I got to tell you, social media, even during that break, I feel like social media got even bigger than it already is. Let's talk about social media and digital marketing and uh, how businesses can use so can and do use social media uh, for both their benefit and as I'm sure anybody here has seen as their detriment as well. Um, let, me, let me just ask, this is a, a question for the group here. Uh, social media, have you guys noticed any particular, any particulars about over time, over through history, digital history? So the last, I don't know, feels like 15 years ago, because, you know, technology advances so quick. Um, over time, social media, how have you noticed it has benefited or, you know, has uh, reverse benefited businesses over time? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but um, there's just so much about social media with businesses. So as I'm interested in hearing any insights as to how, you know, so businesses have used it over time in terms of techniques. 
Don, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, um, sure. So I, I think it's, you know, it, it, you know, tools are only as good as, right, as you use them, right? And so I think the, the one thing that's really interesting about social media for small businesses is it gives them a way that um, allows them to get their customers into a permission-based marketing funnel, right? So customers, you know, sign up, they, they agree to follow, they like a page, you know, they join a Twitter feed. So essentially they become a passive audience for you to promote your brand and your message, right? And I think the businesses that have figured out how to do that in a way that um, doesn't become annoying, where they're adding value, where they're, you know, they're leveraging offers correctly are the ones that, that benefit, the ones that don't have a strategy in place or, you know, you, you follow something and then immediately, you know, within, you know, a couple of days, you realize that this has become more of an interruption and, and you block it, like it can, it can turn into a bad experience. It's almost, it's very similar to email marketing, except it's, it's probably more visual and it's, it's more readily available than, than I think anything really in the last five to 10 years. So I think it's, it's a really innovative tool, but it has to be used correctly with the right cadence. You have to understand your customers and, and you have to, um, you have to have some boundaries in place. I think the, the one thing that, you know, unfortunately, I think we've all realized with social media is, as a business owner, the person that's managing your social media may not always have the same views and values that you do. And, and you see it oftentimes in big companies and big corporations where you have people that can go rogue and all of a sudden they've totally tarnished your brand. Um, so I think you have to have the right boundaries in place. You have to have the right team managing it for you. If you're a small business, you know, understanding what, what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then, you know, keeping things like politics out of it, keeping things that um, are, that, that tend to be, uh, you know, divisive and topic, topical nature would be something I would recommend. But it's a tool, but it's a tool that I think, um, has to be used correctly. And it's also something that I would say, not every small business, that if you don't have a strategy, then you, you don't really need to go out and sign up and set up a LinkedIn and a Twitter and a Facebook account and have people join if you're never going to, if you're never going to push, push out anything that offers value to your, to your client base. Don, you spoke to more of like the front end type of stuff where it's, you know, the actual content you're posting. Yeah. And I think also looking at um, if you, you know, if you have a, a campaign going and you see the metrics um, and for example, you know, you posted five different pictures and none of them got engagement, but you posted, you know, a link to the website or uh, just, you know, a text post and that got a lot of engagement. You might, you want to, you know, switch up your strategies to see what's working and what's not. And instead of continuing to maybe, you know, post a picture with a little bit of caption that doesn't work, it's, it's a bang in your head, against, you know, banging your head against a wall. Um, it's not going to suddenly get better the more you just keep pushing it. So I think in addition to what you're posting, um, how you're posting it is also really important. Sorry, I was muted. Um, <laughs> I like, Don, how you mentioned that um, some people can kind of, you know, shoot themselves in the foot, if you will. Um, I know that for a lot of smaller businesses, it's very crucial. I feel like if you're the owner of a small business, I think you have to kind of take social media a bit more seriously than you may have otherwise um, like you mentioned how for the big, a lot of big corporations, some employees can kind of go rogue. And I know I personally have seen 
uh, some small business owners kind of, you know, they'll tweet out something or they'll have a Facebook and that's definitely kind of more controversial views on something. And I think a lot of social media, especially something like Twitter, um, I mean, not everything goes viral, of course, although I argue on Twitter a lot more, more things go viral now than they used to, for better or worse. But I think if you, you know, if somebody on Twitter, on Facebook has a um, kind of a destructive uh, personality or destructive views on something, I think a lot of that can cause actual real world problems for them, especially if it gains traction. And, you know, now with social media, there's more and more ways for people to kind of weigh in with their own opinions and reactions to things. Um, and it can, you know, I, I think over time, as social media has become more of a, you know, of a public facing tool, rather than kind of like a novelty that people can, you know, hang out with their friends online. Um, I guess you could say it's more of businesses have taken advantage of it and used it for marketing, actually. So um, I think, you know, small business owners have to kind of be more careful with that. Um, and I, I think we've clearly seen some businesses can essentially lose their business. You know, some small business owners can lose their businesses by having one or you know, a couple of views that their audiences don't like, which could, you know, mm-hmm. you know Ryan, you have something to say? Uh, it was actually me. Like, oh, it, I'm sorry, uh, Scott. The, the lion, uh, there was a sports writer that tried to um, get our new head coach in trouble based on something he said. But then that sports writer had posted stuff on Twitter a few years ago that he definitely shouldn't have been posting. And um, he got in trouble for that. And he's not like he represents a newspaper, but, you know, he's not the business owner. Ryan also said something earlier that I completely agreed on. It's, it's funny how like as a business owner, like they're trying to leverage Facebook and post something. I, I had an experience when I was working at a chamber of commerce out in California and uh, we were trying to promote our networking groups and we would, we would be like, yeah, this event's going on on Thursday at four 30 at this location. It got no engagement. We posted a photo of the ocean that we, that we took that morning huge engagement, nothing related to businesses or networking or how we can get the community together. It was just a picture of the ocean, you know, of a sunrise um, over the ocean just that morning, huge engagement, everything else, nothing. So it's funny how Ryan says it's true how it happens like that. An image or a meme, sometimes it doesn't always work, but like just a general thought, um, a text post or whatever gets huge engagement. It's funny how it works like that sometimes. I, um, I see frequently on, I mean, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, which is, you know, I should stop that, but, um, I see that there's frequently a kind of saying a sage advice where there's like every day there is a main villain on Twitter and your goal in life is just to never be it. Right. Um, and that's a great way to, I mean, again, you spend time on Twitter, you see a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot, um, and it is shocking how fast things can get out and go around with social media. And I think less Twitter so. Twitter is yeah. just a dangerous place. It's it just is. a dangerous place to be. It it it's risky being on Twitter. On my other podcast, I, we do have a Twitter account, but I don't use it much. I, you know, I think what I've discovered with this podcast is that Instagram is the way to go. Um, I can think of it because it's kind of a double, it's a more visual medium, right? And you can, you know, like you said, with the, with the picture of the, of the ocean, um, it's interesting how something like that would just get that much more interaction, but apparently it does. So I think a lot of people, including myself, I know for sure are more visual rather than, you know, text. Um, and I don't think I've seen a lot of businesses go under because of Instagram posts, but, you know, like I said, I, I haven't been the villain yet, you know, the, the goal is to not be that. Um, 
So when it comes to SEO, I mean, this is a question for everybody, especially Don. I mean, is social media, I mean, digital marketing and SEO, those kind of go hand in hand. But when it comes to social media, are there ways that companies can use social media to gain exposure and not just through like posts, but I mean, in terms of like placement on SERPs? I don't know if you have any insight on that, Don. Yeah, if you're if you're creative, right? So again, uh, tying it back into our other topic, which is branded searches, right? If you're creatively, right? suggesting people search for your brand for new promotions or new things like those, those are signals Google can definitely interpret. Um, I, I would also say that, you know, I think we're going to see more search engines are going to be introduced into the ecosystem in the next couple of years, whether it's Apple or Facebook or Amazon, like you're going to see somebody's going to come up and challenge Google. And, and one of the, you know, the only companies that does right now, which is being in Yahoo have, you know, Bing, Yahoo leverages Bing's platform and Bing has come out and already indicated that, you know, your social media presence is a ranking factor on their algorithm. So I think it only makes sense that it becomes one of the hundreds of different things that get taken into consideration. So it's, it's definitely something that I think can, uh, can be favorable. Sort of on topic to that, you made me think about how I think I mean, with the whole Facebook um, Cambridge Analytica kind of scandal, if you will, a couple of years ago, I think a lot of people are kind of realizing that Facebook or a lot of like social media they use tracks them a lot and their privacy isn't exactly as, you know, as uh, secure as they thought. Um, I mean, something like DuckDuckGo, that's a search engine that you didn't mention, but I feel like that's kind of not as, I know Bing and like something like that is not exactly, I mean, no one is as big as Google and I welcome, I'm sure a lot of people welcome a better challenger to Google. Um, So I guess that's kind of my question is like, do we think that people will flock more to the, the more secure Apple? I mean, Apple would be a good example of that. No, Apple has talked about a, uh, mm-hmm. having their own search engine. Um, and I think that would have a, a pretty good adoption rate just because if you have it on Safari, for example, how many people, I, I don't, I use Chrome and Safari, but mm-hmm. some people probably open up their laptops or their tablets or their phones um, and only use Safari. So if you only have Safari and <laughs> that's your primary search engine, you know, I think, I think that's a way to gain traction. Um, and you mentioned DuckDuckGo. I actually heard a radio ad for them. I've never heard a radio ad for DuckDuckGo before, but <laughs> suddenly... Yeah. Um, I did. You know, yeah, I think it was on the local uh, sports radio station for some reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Google is going to have competition. Is it going to be on the same level? I don't think so. It's just for, like, for DuckDuckGo, it's very privacy-based. So I think if as more people want to maybe have that as their main focus when they're doing searches or looking for information, you're going to see some adoption there. But um, I think when, when Google has become a verb, you know, in our vernacular, I think that means that they they're pretty much the top dog. And uh, I don't know if that's going to change, but. Yeah. 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 Scott, do you have anything to add? No, I, I think uh, DuckDuckGo also just passed a milestone of was it one billion searches oh, in one wow. day or five hundred million? Don't okay. quote me on that, but they they reached a milestone uh, recently, and I think it all ties into kind of like what you guys were both saying earlier. It's like 
you know, did that show the social dilemma that is the in every Cambridge Analytica and everything mm -hmm. that happened in the last few years is just pushing people to want to search out other other avenues. Like, and I think Ryan's right. If Apple did come out with the search engine, it would be very easy for them to get a very quick adoption rate to to their right. product. It's right there on their phone. Right. And, like I then, I. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that if Apple were to say, were like, I think if, if they were to push privacy, if, you know, if they were to come out and say, hey, we're building a proper search engine for focusing on privacy, um, I mean, I I feel like the people who would hate that would be Doug Doug Go, right? Because it's like, hey, that's kind of our thing. But um, like you guys said, Apple already has that big install base and in that kind of brand loyalty, so I think it would be easier for them to jump into it um, swinging. Um, Ryan. Oh, I was just going to say, if we're, if we're going back to sort of social media as a, as a tool itself, um, I have, and I know we have some examples of kind of it being harmful or useful. Uh, I have a personal example. My, my friend, Dan, he owns a uh, landscaping company in uh, east side, you know, the east side of Michigan. And um, <clears throat> when the first, you know, I think it was around March that the kind of restrictions were first mentioned here in Michigan. Um, you know, he is, a, it's a family owned business, it's him and his dad and his, his mom. And, um, you know, they were hit pretty hard and they were still, he still was like, you know what, if this is the restrictions that were put in place, if this is going to keep people safe, then you know what, we're going to follow them and we're going to adapt our business. And it, originally it was like, you know, the, the family friends or like the people in the local area knew who they were. He had people come from all across the state of Michigan coming on his, on his, know, on his Facebook post, um, he said that they sold out of everything there, huh. you know, they, they have three or four uh, greenhouses and they sold out of just everything. Didn't matter what it was. Um, you know, they had people coming from all over. And so that's an example of where, you know, we, we, I built him out a uh, Google, my business listing and he got a bunch of hits on there. So it's like, as using that as a tool, you can really, you know, we talk, you always hear about how the, all the negative stories, um, but that's one that I personally have experienced with because I was talking to him and I was saying, you need to leverage this. So, you know, like you have a, a following right now that people were coming to him and, you know, either praising or some people were negative, but it was a lot of, a lot of good positive feedback. Um, just that despite this, you know, unprecedented times in 2020, he was, you know, telling the story of how his business or his family's business um, was still just going to you know, adapt and make sure that, you know, they were safe and everybody that came to them was safe. So social media can be, be a pretty powerful tool for, you know, good and bad. It's right. not, it's not always a, a negative thing, right? Yeah. No, it's kind of like what Don said about how, you know, if you're clever and social media is, is, is as good, as good a tool as you make it. Right. I mean, there are some people that just have that kind of personality where they're more, uh, I, I don't want to use the word aggressive, but you know, there are people like your friend who, um, who adapted and they were transparent about the idea that they want to adapt. And that obviously worked out for them. It's fantastic. And while some people may have a different kind of personality and reaction to this kind these kind of rules in place of 2020 that are kind of still in place, but that's all the uh, discussion. So I got, I, I got a question. Oh, go for it, Jake. Uh, thanks. Uh, I think somebody mentioned it, uh, calling social media a tool. That's the thing, it's very powerful, but it can be like used to your detriment or used to boost you. And so uh, those people that we see uh, losing their jobs for posting inappropriate things or sometimes political things, either 
supporting a business for those who enjoy that those politics or tanking them for those who do not agree um, the it's very it can have a large impact um, if you use it strategically that's jake by the way he's our content guy becoming seo um just wanted to make that clear. I got one more question for you guys before we can wrap this up. Uh, and this is kind of on the on the boot, digital marketing boutique and you know, uh, company side. A social media manager, do you think that something, uh, the idea of companies using social media, is that something that we think is worth having its own job for? Or is that something that I think everybody every SEO, every digital marketing manager should kind of be able to use um, at the same time? If that's even a question that's worth asking. Uh, I would say if you want it to be done right, um, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole service. And um, I think that, you know, I have a friend who's in social media marketing and he's been doing it for 10 years now. Um, he's still learning things. So it's, if you're, if your budget obviously allows for it, I would say having a dedicated person um, you know, can really help you create a, a good strategy and not have it just be this thing that you have to do, but a way for you to really gain visibility and, um, you know, become a better business as a whole. It's funny you mentioned that because as I'm asking the question, I think about all the times where people will, um, you know, get a job at a certain digital marketing house and only to realize that their kind of job duties are all kind of condensed into one when they kind of should be branched out a bit more and have separate, you know, for each pillar. So it's funny that I asked that question and I think, well, I'm, you know, <laughs> I feel like we've all had different thoughts toward that idea. So um, it's a good question to ask, but I do think it's, pro you're probably going to find more people who would like what you said, recommend um, if your budget of course allows for it to, have each, you know, an SEO person, a, uh, you know, an analytics person, a, uh, a social media person, I think if you're able, or a paid search person as well. Uh, I think if you're able to afford that, you would, it would benefit you to have individual views and experience for each of those pillars rather than try to condense it into one be all end all digital marketing person. Uh, I think that, I think with that, we can probably wrap this up. If anybody else has any last notes to make, um, speak now, but I think other than that, we can kind of yeah, one last thing I would say if um, Don kind of mentioned it and Scott mentioned it and Jake mentioned it um, if you're going to have a divisive or even not a divisive, but just a, a stance that you, you know, want to believe in and you want to talk about on your brand, you have to be willing to, to accept those uh, you know, consequences because you see some places just they get in trouble with what they say and then they just shut down. And then I've seen other ones, um, you know, there's a, a spice company out in Denver that we saw all the time and they go out of their way to post political things and their supporters love it. And they get a ton of, you know, a ton of love for it. But um, I'm sure there's people that, you know, maybe don't, don't love it quite as much, but um, you know, if you post something, you have to be able to take responsibility for it. And that goes into the harm versus help. Uh, aspect of social media for sure yeah the world's big right i mean you know for all the people who are offended by something there are people who support it and that's a whole other conversation but I, you're right i you know there are i'm sure there are absolutely companies that are able to kind of um, stick to their guns if you will right and then have find the success but um 
overall, I think a lot of people would probably recommend just making sure you be careful, which seems obvious, but <laughs> I'm sure we've all seen companies and, you know, store or you know, business owners that have, uh, you know, gone against that or kind of ignored it and have felt the repercussions of it. Uh, and with that, I think we can wrap this up. So thank you for all for listening to another episode of the High Level Digital Roundtable. Uh, this is the official podcast of High Level Marketing from based in Southeast Michigan. So we'll be back later on for another good topic, good discussion. And thank you so much. Take it easy.